My name is Kevin McNally. Let's amplify your message on The Kevin McNally Show. Welcome to The Kevin McNally Show. Ladies and gentlemen, today I am thrilled to welcome Jim Sadecki to my show. I believe Jim represents perseverance and dedication. Jim is a patriot, and he lives his life willing to take on all challenges. Jim, welcome to The Kevin McNally Show. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you so much. Jim, let's start with just a, an overview of your history for the last couple of decades, um, what you've been up to. Um, well, uh, I was born here in Connecticut. Um, uh, at 18, I um, was unsure of what I wanted to do. I was working construction at the time and wanted to get out of the grease and the grime <laughs> and join the Air Force even not knowing what I really wanted to do, I, I picked security forces um, as a law enforcement specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, actually enjoyed it very much and, and became a criminal investigator. Mm. I was a lot of like, uh, special teams. Um, I deployed uh, in 1996, 98, 01, and 02 all to um, Saudi Arabia. And... Um, yeah, served 10 years, honorably decided to, uh, it was a hard decision to get out. I was actually deploying every six months, wow. uh, six months on, six months off. My kids were four and two. My mm-hmm. father just got diagnosed with terminal cancer. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, wow. it's time to come home yeah. and take care of my parents and, you know, not get shot or blown up. And, um, unfortunately two weeks after I was here in Connecticut, I went back to work uh, construction and, um, I was stuck, struck by a steel cable, um, across the bridge of my nose that lacerated both my eyes and vaporized my nose. That was in 2004. So it's been, it'll be 17 years this year. And, um, yeah, um, I know you, you, you know, asked to touch on, um, you know, the past few years, um, I do have to say that, you know, it's been a challenging one and um, a lot of, I guess, the reasons I think I do what I do now is that search for that purpose. You know, I was 27 at the time I lost my sight and, you know, you think you're on a life track and career and life mm-hmm. and and all of a sudden it changes in an know? instant literally in an, in an instant. instant yeah yeah and just a total different direction um let me uh, just back up and begin so people understand how we met just a quick story so a few years ago um i was like i am now as i was then i'm very involved in the lions and i was invited to a lions event kind of far away 45 minutes to an hour or something so i had to get a ride and it was like a rainy tuesday night and i just I honestly really didn't want to go, but I did. And so the whole way there, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm going to have my white cane and everyone's going to look at me and I can't stand it because, you know, even though they're lions, I'm the one person there that has a white cane and you always feel sort of out of place. And um, so I get there and I'm immediately whisked over to the, to, a, to an area of the room by someone and they say, you got to meet this person. I'm like, okay, who is this? And so I meet this person named Jim. And uh, I'm tall. Jim is much taller than me. And we immediately started talking. And I was just blown away by um, everything we talked about. 
And, you know, again, Jim, I don't mean to make you embarrassed by uh, the, how how impressed I was with you, but I, I showed up feeling down and I left feeling inspired. So much so that um, that night I recorded a quick podcast and I named it Inspiration Found. And I believe we all need a shot in the arm from wherever we get it. And I happened to get one that night by meeting you and, and, and kind of kicked myself after that. Like, I'm an idiot. Here I am whining that I didn't want to show up because of my cane. And I meet this guy who literally has no vision, everyone. I have remaining vision. Jim is in, in the small percentage of people that have zero light perception. And, and, and then I got to hear everything he does. And, uh, you know, it, I was just blown away. So, Jim, as you know, I'm passionate about vision loss, educating others on the realities of vision loss, and how to leave an inspiring and successful life, regardless of all those challenges from vision loss. And, and I really do believe you're, you, know, you represent the embodiment of much of that. And so just one final you know, way to kind of embarrass you a little, but here are some of the activities that Jim is involved in or has been involved in with no sight. Hockey, just think about that, everyone. Hockey, uh, yeah. hockey, shooting, chainsaws, tractors he uses, bicycling, road races, golf, fishing, snowshoeing, all while being 100% blind. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that help him, but it's amazing to get the willpower to do this kind of stuff. So let's start with uh, hockey. And um, I think I read a, an article on you where at the time um, you were sort of in a, in, in a challenging period, more challenging than you already have, but challenging period. What brought you to hockey? What brought me to hockey is I was just kind of coming off of um, a rough time health-wise with, um, due to my injury, I've had my face reconstructed six or seven times. I got a lot of plates and screws and and things shift around and my sinuses have been completely rebuilt. So I get a lot of sinus infections that, mm. as my doctor says, are, um, my anatomy is no longer human. So it becomes a challenge. Yeah. Um, so I had just had a surgery which, you know, is very in-depth. Um, and I had, had been on steroids and antibiotics for probably like a year and a half prior while, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get a maxillofacial surgeon, neurosurgeon, mm -hmm. and a plastic surgeon all in the same room at one time <laughs> at Yale is, a, is challenging. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I was coming off of that surgery thinking like, I, I got to change. I got I got to do something. Mm -hmm. Um and I got a random call from the Blinded Veterans Association mm -hmm. in D.C. And a guy was like, hey, you ever heard of blind hockey or you <laughs> want to try blind hockey? Yeah, and this is like January. And, yeah. you know, during the winter, things kind of slow down for me. Sure. I, I live on a 33 acre property. So during the winter, if you're not shoveling, you're just watching. I guess maybe <laughs> you're cutting up trees if it's nice. But, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, I was kind of like, why not? And it was being held in Simsbury. Yeah. So, um, and I figured, you know, if I go to this, you know, m maybe I'll just meet some other visually impaired people that, you know, I could, you know, uh, relate with or talk to, you know. So, man, I show up and um, thinking I'm not, I, you know, I hadn't been on ice skates since I was like eight years old. And, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, man, you're big. Like, what size this? What's, you know, and, and they're just putting gear on me. And in like five minutes, I was on the ice and just loving it. There you go. So I think I read that you said that hockey was the first 
time, basically, in 13 years at that time, that you could do your own thing and that you didn't need to hang on to somebody's arm and you could go fast and you felt a sense of freedom. Yeah. So let me, you know, like, uh, I, I guess being totally blind, I, I have the privilege of um, not seeing other people's expressions or, right. or things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be a, like a shy person that mm-hmm. was conscientious, I guess, like self-conscious or, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, being blind, like my kids probably hate me because I embarrass <laughs> them and, you know, but I mean, I totally, you know, that day I was like, man, this is something I want to do. And at the time, I think my son might've been like 15 or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, um, we took a learn to skate class that, um, it was probably, you know, anywhere from four or five years old till 10 years old. And then my son and I, you know, um, and you know, my biggest thing, I was like, Oh, I want to learn to skate backwards. And I don't know, we, we went, you know, once a Mm -hmm. week for six weeks, you know, skating backwards and, and ice skating has out of the, you know, now almost 17 years of being blind is the most freedom I ever felt doing something by myself. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. You know, you can go fast, you know, you can go backwards, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and you have enough pads on, yeah. that, you know, usually uh, it'll protect you enough and you can, <laughs> you know, like for the most part, you know, I can hear the walls when I'm getting close. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean that when that, when I started doing that, it was kind of like a big kick for the U S there was probably only, I don't know, like I'm talking like maybe a handful of 10, 15 visually impaired, wow, you know, hockey players okay. yeah. in the United States, um, mm-hmm. Canada, Canada, they've been doing it for like 25 years, figures, you know, yeah, figures. and they, I mean, even longer. I think they've been wow. doing it like since the seventies or, wow. or something like that. And if I understand correctly, the puck makes a sound right so you can you you hear like you can tell what's coming or going or or what's going on with the puck yeah it's um three times the size of an nhl puck it's made out of steel it has ball bearings inside so that when it's running on the ice it'll rattle yep um i know canada everybody's been in the market to try to make a new one for us totally blind that um when the puck comes to a stop, we'd be able to locate it. Ah, um, okay. Yes. Yes. But and the only other rule change in blind hockey is the goal is one foot shorter hmm. to eliminate those high corners. Okay. Yes. And you know they're trying to keep that puck on the ice too because right. it's big and right. it's metal. <laughs> um, and second is there has to be a completed pass. A, a completed pass before the goal can be shot on and it's indicated okay. by like a high-pitched whistle mm-hmm. and that lets the goalie know that the pass has been completed and you know like more or less uh, a goal can be uh, how yeah. how do you avoid other players like is it just by hearing the skates on the the, 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 the <sighs> scraping and the in the stick and the you know or is it constant you know bumping into people well you mentioned something earlier that mm. I want to mention too, mm. because I think, um, you know, blind hockey or, or blind anything, I think takes on that certain belief that, you know, or, or people that don't understand believe that everybody's a hundred percent blind. Right. 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 So, um, 
you know, I, you know, the only, I don't take offense to much, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, um, when somebody says, Oh, I'm blind and mm-hmm. you find out like they're visually impaired, right. You know, I'm like, Hey, you know, it's not the same. That's right. No, you're legally (laughs) blind. That's different. Now, now I, I, I do the people I talk to, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people with some vision struggle more because you guys are trying to use that remaining vision. Things don't appear as they, you know, actually are. And, And I do understand that, but it's kind of like just one of those rants. So, yes. Um, but with, Blind hockey, um, the way that the sport works the best is that you have an array of different types of vision loss on the ice. So to start off, the goalie, the rule is goalie has to be totally blind. Okay. Um, Usually your defensive players, you know, Mm -hmm. your two defensive players, they uh, are a lower vision you know, they're, they're called uh, B1 is a goalie. B2s are your low vision defenders. And B3s are your three offensive line. And, you know, they have, you know, more vision. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, because we've tried it at different events of mm-hmm. having, you know, completely blind all out there. And yep. it's just a mess. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, so what keeps the puck moving, what keeps the game moving is that array of vision that's on the ice. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I started out since I am six, four, you know, kind of in that two thirty range. And, and, you know, one of the coaches was like, Oh man, he's like, you're, you're big. Let's like, we're going to put you on defense, you know? And let me, you know, there's not, I think myself and there was one Canadian that was totally blind playing defense but he was like you know canadian born on skates so like very impressive because i'd get lost out there all the time i communicate with my goalie Mm -hmm. you know this way here i can use my goalie as my home base to to get back yep um you know but this guy like he could skate from line to line totally blind and knew exactly where he was all the time that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, and he'd been doing it for sure. 30 years. But, yeah, there you go. Um, Very interesting. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. So yeah. as as I got better, as the sport grew, I mean, there's two events a year. There's a blind hockey summit. There's a disabled hockey festival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's Canadian tournaments. Um, I was playing defense. And, and now you know, there's got to be like 15 teams across the U S um, and it's just growing crazy. And it was getting very fast to where, you know, as being a team player, I knew that I wasn't, you know, fulfilling my part right. Right. <laughs> of, of, of being a, a good, okay. you know, yeah. so, you know, again, I am big and a lot of people pushed me to go to the goal. Right. And, you know, I just, because I loved skating so much right. and I was like, I don't want to be going out. Right. Be I want to be out know. there moving around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and so this, I, you know, I, I bit the bullet for, you know, like saying like, all right, if, if I want to keep continuing to play, um, you know, so I, I moved to the goal and, um, you know, I, I still, still a big part, you yep. know, 
Yep. So, so I understand just uh, wrapping up the hockey portion. Uh, if you're from New England, like I am, uh, grew up in Simsbury, actually, um, you know, we're all familiar with the Hartford Whalers. And of course, the name of your hockey team, Jim, is? The Hartford Brailers. The Hartford Brailers. I love it. <laughs> I think that's hysterical. Um, so who, kind of switching gears, who do you, now I've already expressed that you motivated me that night. Who do you get motivation from or inspiration or strength from? Is there any particular persons or persons in your life that, you know, give you a shot in the arm? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, no, like, I guess ever since I went blind and this is, you know, I always talk to different people I meet with visual impairments mm-hmm. of, you know, like if it was from birth, if it was, you know, midlife, if it was an accident and, mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at 27 years old, when I lost my sight, you know, I thought I was on this life path of yeah. career and children and, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, in an instant, everything changed, Yeah, you know, and I think for me, I just wanted to be who I was, yeah. like to do the same things I did mm-hmm. and, you know, provide for my family. That's right. You know, like those types of things. All and... the things we, we all feel that you want to just do all the things that we all think about, right? Provide for your family. And yeah. Well, you know, and with, I, I think with a traumatic loss, it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, what's my purpose now? Yeah. You know, you know, not like why me, but okay, this is me. Uh, what do I do from here? What's my purpose? You know, why, why, um, you know, I guess more in a religious way, you know, like, okay, if this is my path, then what's next? What, what do I need to do? Right. What do I need to do? Did, did you go through a phase because it obviously happens so, so suddenly, did you go through a phase of, of anger about it? Um, really anger about mm-hmm. it. Um, I went through more of a, <laughs> a fear of death, um, at the beginning. um, and I never really had an, I guess, an anger. T- I mean, there was frustrating days, you know, for a while I'd walk, I'd get out of the car and throw my cane in the backyard, you know, and then after a while, like, you know, yeah. a half hour, hour trying to find it. Trying to I'm find like, the cane. Oh yeah, I'd be like, you know, <laughs> you get mad at the thing that's the most helpful thing for you, too. Isn't, so. isn't that yeah. funny? Oh, and I'm going to circle back to the cane because I do have a couple questions about the cane or comments. Sure. So, um... How about this? Did losing your sight affect your relationship with your children or friends? Yeah, in some ways. Um, in some ways, it was challenging. I mean, um, it did cause my divorce. Um, my children, you know, my son and daughter were four and two at the time. It took my daughter a long time to come around. Yeah. Um you know, a few months she was scared. She would help me, but she was like scared. Yeah. Um, and it affected her speech. You know, she Interesting. S- stopped talking for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I've some friends, you know, I, I would be talking to for five, 10 minutes like this and just mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, uh, hey, by the way, I, I, you know, I, I was in an accident and lost my sight. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them, I haven't spoken to, you know, oh like gosh. they, they can't amazing? handle, they, they couldn't handle, like just talk, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
so you've hiked, obviously, hiked mountains, traveled to other countries. You've competitively shoot. Really, I really kind of need to interview a few times. But you competitively shoot. You do all these things. But where do you feel most at home? Is it on your property there in Connecticut? Oof, jeez. Yeah. You should have given me a pre-list of these. Um, you got to get these honest answers out of you. Where do I... I guess... Yes, here at home on the property. Yeah. I, you know, in many ways am blessed, you know, when it came to this accident. Um, I was, you know, financially uh, taken care of to where, but I decided, you know, I, I bought this 33 acres. My kids at the time, they were like 10 and 8. And, you know, I love the woods. I love the outdoors. I wanted to be able to take them fishing or in the woods and use a compass and, and, you know, do things like that. And I wanted to be able to teach them a work ethic, you know, so a cousin of mine, he has, um, Hereford beef cows. So here, you know, we're clearing fields and putting up fences and, you know, let me tell you, I've had like, you know, walked into trees where I split my head off, you know, and I'm like thinking, why didn't I just buy a condo? On a right, right. Somewhere? I could be on a beach in a condo. That's right. Right. That's right. And oh my um, gosh. So sometimes it's, it's my blessing and it's my curse. There it it's, is. You yep. Know. Yep. There's, it's always that yin yang thing. Always, you know, it's yeah. always. So I believe, and I've said this to you, I believe anything said with passion uh, will be listened to. Doesn't necessarily mean it would be agreed with, but listened to, which is why I like audio. And you and I have talked about that. And I think audio and speaking and passion is so important. But I believe passion can't be faked. What would you say you are most passionate about? I guess I'm most passionate. I mean, I don't know if this makes, you know, but of, of being a contributor to society. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's helping a friend to, so, you know, part of, I didn't know how to get into this, but you know, like these things I've done since I lost my sight, mm -hmm. it was kind of like for me finding that purpose mm -hmm. of what am I supposed to be doing? Like, and of doing the things that I used to do sighted, I mean, you know, like climbing a mountain, you, you think, you know, I climbed a mountain in the middle of winter, you know, snowshoed ice crampons and you know 70 mile an hour winds and blizzards and and you get to the top thinking that you know there's going to be this magical ray or answer from you know mm -hmm. and you're walking down the mountain like well that didn't accomplish nothing. right okay <laughs> not sure you know? right well that was well, great you know, it's but over yet, yeah but yeah everybody's saying like oh you know like uh, wow it's such an inspiration and it's just like <laughs> No, like I'm, I'm still the same person, you know, yeah. and I get it. Yeah, I do get it. But what people don't understand is that for I, I think a lot of us, it's just, you know, that I don't know, self confirmation that okay, I'm still capable. I'm still able to. Do I'm not doing it for anybody. I, you know, right. but myself. You're taking well. You're taking those challenges and you're meeting them. But in the, in the, you know, I'm a musician, okay? So it's like being um, a, a great band. I've heard them say, like, I'm a particularly a Eddie Van Halen fan from the beginning. And, and they used to say, like, oh, you know, oh, you're this, you're that, you're a hero, guitar hero, this, that. And he'd be like, look, 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 I, I just make the music that I like for myself. And, and the fact that everyone else loves it or gets something from it 
is kind of secondary. He said, even if I wasn't famous, I'd still be just making music because it's what I do. And so I think you're doing what you do. And, and kind of there's a wake behind you of people like me and others that gain strength from it, which is really cool. Well, and, you know, for me, I, it's that search for that purpose. But I guess along the way, um, I learned to be, you know, like of wanting to be more of an advocate for those with visual impairments. Sure. Say, oh, you know, uh, I shoot archery. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I mounted a laser on it. Like I did this, this, <laughs> this, if, if you shot archery and you're like, like I can help you do that. If you want to shoot a rifle, like, uh, this is what I use. This is what, you know, I talk about, you know, if it's, you know, I think, you know, when I met you, you know, I even was like, you know, how old are you? Or, you know, if my, my kids will say like, Hey dad, there's somebody with a white right. hand. I'm like, are they young? Or are they old? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And I'm like, if they're young, you know, or, or my yeah. age, you know, I give them that like hockey speech. Like, sure. hey, you, know, you like hockey? That's you right. Know? That's right. You know your yeah. audience. That's right. good. I'm older than uh, you, by the way. So, you know, <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> but, you know, it's because, you know, I guess, you know, like some things I've tried and, and failed or tried or, you know, like said, I'll give it a try and hated it. You know, but there, Jim, there it is. And, and you try and coming from my perspective and, and dealing with so many people that are visually impaired, you know, and, and, and kind of the emotional challenges that come with that. And you, again, had to go from A to Z with it. Like you had no in between, whereas mine's been this slow you know, uh, process, B but the mental challenges. And you, I think that's the inspiring part is that you just grab the bull by the horns. At least that's what it appears like to people like me. And hey, Titan. And and you you go for it. Whether you fail or not, remember, it's the old, it's that you tried. And you continually do that. And I think that's what's so awe-inspiring to the people in your life, um, if I could speak for them. <laughs> because I know that's what I think. Um, you know, let me ask you this. So I uh, just returned from a month down in Key West. I was with my mom and kind of um, being with her. And... So I use my cane when I'm traveling or anything like that because it's confusing for people. I don't see well, and so I, I would bang into people, things, everything. But I know it's confusing because I can see some. So I find it amazing. Um, it's kind of my personal mission in life to get people to understand uh, low vision and the cane especially because here I am in Key West, and Key West is a place where you can do and be anything you want and nobody looks at you sideways. And yet... I am stared at, people make comments because I'm carrying a white cane. And I find it so shocking, right? You know, you, you, get, you got boys being girls, girls being boys, everyone doing whatever they want, wearing whatever they want, yet the white cane is confusing to them. And so I've, I've read some of your comments on, on the cane in other interviews, and I, 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 I love them. Um, and I've read that, <laughs> you, you know, you've said that it's both a navigational aid and a bar to basic human interaction. And I think that is so true because sometimes I feel like I want to say to people, it's, it's not contagious. Like, I'm a talkative person. You can, it's, you're not going to get blindness from talking to me. You know, right, and, yeah. and it's, and I, and I have a feeling, you know, I think you've also said that people feel uncomfortable talking to you because of the cane or, you know, or because of blindness. And, right. And I assume you've experienced that or felt it. Oh, many ways. I mean, you know, like, Sometimes it's great, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you travel to the city and, mm -hmm. you know, Grand Central and I'm like, 
I'll, I'll, you know, where it's like packed shoulder soldier. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, I start tapping left to right and I get a big arc and I've like parted the, the whole, <laughs> the Red you know, Sea. It's parting yeah. the sea. Yes. You know? um, but yeah, at the same time, you know, like, you know, people avoid you or step to the side, you know, like, yeah. you know, which they're trying to be polite, you know, like I get it, but you know, obviously, you know, I work, you know, working off of sound, you know, and when people stop, you know, things like that. Um, I do have a guide dog and I tell you what, like the guide dog didn't change anything except, you know, people still don't talk to me cause they talk to the dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, yeah. or I, you know, I, I just, this is my second guide hmm. and I was just telling, um, a new, um, rest. Hey, um, <laughs> I was telling the new, a couple new um, girls that were in the class the, with their first guide that, um, like, if you could write a book on how many stories you hear, you know, about people's dogs and, you know, their names and breed and you know, just like, I mean, you know, yep. you, could, you could have a 300 page Absolutely. book. And, and do, five, you, you know. do you find people are now educated enough that they don't come over and touch touch your dog or grab your dog or or do they still just not oh, quite get it there's still some that yeah don't get it and will never get it right you know right um you know not to get like you know change the thing but it's a catch-22 because now even flying you know you have to fill out those forms with the department of transportation okay. um but they're cracking down on those behavioral support that's animals. right that's right so i think you know, whoever, I don't know if it was like, uh, the NFB or, uh, Amer uh, AFB or, you know, which organization, or if they've talked to a couple, the DOT did, but I think this was the compromise, you know, yes, it makes it a little bit more inconvenient for the visually impaired person who's traveling with the dog at the same time. They're like, we have to control this somehow. Absolutely. Do you, so, do you have to fill out paperwork every time you travel, or are you like in the system? No, you have to do it like every time. Really? You have to send it in forty-eight hours prior. Oh wow. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's I haven't done it yet because mm -hmm. of you know just being the COVID year, I haven't traveled. Right. But, right. Um, um, the final subject I want to cover is that um, you back pre-COVID. Uh, we're very active in shooting and that you've you've actually uh, been around the world to a few different places. Kind of give us a quick overview of your history with the competitions that you've been in. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I started visually impaired shooting in 2019. A uh, friend of a friend again, you know, um, this guy heard this. Another visually impaired guy said, oh, I know a guy in Connecticut who shoots and and, you know, as passionate as I am about it, I just, you know, inquired, called the guy. And, you know, before I knew it, I think it was like March or April of 2019, I was in um, Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. And, you know, behind a, behind a rifle, um, just real quickly, I explain it. It's still a um, it's still an Olympic target. It's um, 10 meters, which is about 33 feet. The 10.9 bullseye on an Olympic-sized target is the size of a period on a piece of paper or the size wow. of a ball-tip point yeah. or pen. Um, the way it works is there's an LED light at the target. I have a high-speed camera on my rifle 
the closer I get to that 10 ring, the higher pitch it makes. Um, and you got to fire 60 shots in 50 minutes. Um, and yeah, so, um, it quickly took off from there. I mean, I think I went March, May by June, I went to Fort Benning and shot in at a U.S. national event. I mean, there was only three visually impaired shooters at the time. Um, and myself and another veteran were the ones kind of, you know, um, equal and, you know, score and moving up the ladder. Mm -hmm. So the first World Cup event I did was in Croatia in July. I'd never shot in a real match. I um, had to, you know, get credentials as far as being a, uh, an accepted shooter. I had to go through an eye exam in Croatia, which was, um, you know, I mean. Interesting. Very interesting. Very <laughs> yeah. rudimentary. Oh my gosh. You know, just yeah. 19, I guess, 60s, 70s technology. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was, um, well, the funny part is there's three doctors from three different countries and there was a woman from Africa and, mm -hmm. you know, her English was very broken and, and she's, you know, examined my eyes mm -hmm. and, and, she, you know, we're talking and she's like, well, you'll never have to do this again, you know, like as far as your certification, since you have no eyes and, and she goes, and since your eyes are pathetic. And she she was trying to say prosthetic, <laughs> prosthetic right. you know. And I took my head off the machine. Oh my know, gosh! Like the, the, and I was like, oh, they're pretty pathetic. Yeah, they know? are pathetic. You're right. Yeah, that's right. We all had a, a good, <laughs> a good laugh. That. You gotta laugh, right? You yeah. have to laugh. Now, but uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Well, real quick, with Croatia because I just we never shot a match. You know, it's mm. like, uh, you know. Uh, you know, the first time, you know, we shoot our, well, what happens is you shoot your 60 shot match and they take the top eight shooters Okay. and the top eight shooters go to finals. Um, so, you know, there's probably 30 shooters. Um, mm. and I believe I took like seventh or eighth and, you know, the other USA, you know, he was also like, seven or you know like it was i think we were like right there back to back i think he actually beat me he usually like beats me by like a point or something in the match and then we get to finals and um he ended up taking eighth yeah and man i got all the way up to fourth all right oh and it's like it's like a shoot down like you know you fire five shots you fire another five shots and then after that you're, you you shoot two shots, and from that point on, whoever has the lowest score gets kicked off the line. Wow! Well, you know, okay. yeah. so you hear the announcer saying like, "Oh, Kevin McNally, he's, <laughs> you know, he's on the bubble." They'll say, oh, which uh, more or less means like, if you don't pull out some great out. shots, you're out. You're you know? out. Oh my gosh! So like, when you're hearing your name or like, you know, so and so's in first, and you know, and, and you're like, "Oh geez," you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the pressure's on. And yeah, so I, I placed fourth in the world at that World Cup, yep. um, which got me the invite to Australia. There you go. In October of 2019, for the first, it was a, a world shooting parasports, but it was the first world shooting parasports championship for the visually impaired. So they had never had a, like an official. Sure. So great. And you how'd know. you do in Sydney? <laughs> so, and Sydney, again, I thought I shot my match terrible. I just made it in that eighth shooter by the skin of my teeth. 
and I was having problems with my aiming system. There was a guy from Finland, like the company, he actually rebuilt it between my match and my finals. Um, I don't know. I went in there again, you know, you're visually like, so w when you're blind, you don't, I don't like, I don't feel that like, uh, I guess the pressure, you know, I guess those eyes are on you, but you kind of, you know, and man, I was like killing it. Um, <laughs> my first 10 shots, I was like in first place. And then I go into my 11th or 12th shot and man, I like threw it big time and when you're visually impaired how you know your scores and everything you have an, an attendee or a coach and he can't talk to you but we have like a whole sign language of how he tapped my back to what my score is so when i threw that shot and he's a parachuter for pistol he's in a wheelchair he's a double amputee but you know i i look over at him with this big grin like <laughs> i know i threw that shot and yep. he didn't even give me my score like uh. I, I forget what it was what, you know, but that dropped me like that two points. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I hung in there and um, I was I, I was able to take home the bronze medal. There you I go. Yeah. yeah. Very good. See, <laughs> see. Oh, At that, once I knew I, I got that bronze, like I was ready to just throw down the rifle and just <laughs> go sit down. And just, yep. You know, like it's yeah, time to relax. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my gosh. To, yeah. Well, Jim. You know. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And I really do believe that uh, you're an inspiration for people, whether you know it or not, uh, but you are just by just living your life the way you do. And so I, I hope you continue to. And I, um, you know, I really appreciate you, your friendship, and especially your, your passion for life. I love it. The, the joie de vie, that go get them attitude. Um, so thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me. Yeah, well, um, be sure to, I mean, you know, you could share my email contact. Yes. It's just, it's easy. It's just Jim Sadecki, Jim Sadecki at gmail.com. Yep. Um, S A D E C K I. Yep. Um, you know, just because, like I said, you know, um, my biggest passion, you know, is being able to share it. There's, yeah. there's, it's no use holding it in or, you know, like, right. um, and getting people, you know, whether you're visually impaired or blind since mm -hmm. birth, mm -hmm. and say, man, nobody, everybody said I couldn't shoot a gun. Well, <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, you can, That's you know, right. you can, or, you, you know, so it. yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah. it's so great, James. Thank you so much. And, uh, everyone, as always, you can check out, uh, uh, And that's where this will be posted as, um, with other places as well. But, uh, Jim, again, thank you so much. And I, again, thank you for your time. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Awesome. Kevin, thank you. Anytime.